No response. Cowardly men. That's what I am. How many of you think that the guys are mainly responsible? Anybody? Okay, the guys do. All right. As a college pastor, I remember standing in the back. I'm doing a dating series. This is all true. And uh, the, one of the super, super, super cool surfer dudes comes up, and he's standing in the back, and he's got his long hair, and he's yeah, just like he's just got pitted. And he hands me this list, and he says, uh, you know, me and the guys, we were thinking, and, and we, we just are really resentful and all that kind of stuff. And I wanted you to, I wanted you to see this list. And I open up the list, and it was the reasons why a, a surfboard is a better companion than a girlfriend. Come on, come on, go with it, go with it. Come on, roll with it here, all right? So this is what, I'm gonna give you the seven of the top ones. Here they are. Number one, why is a surfboard better than a companion than a girlfriend? Number one, it doesn't mind riding on top of the car. Yeah? Okay, you guys are, you guys are all, so don't, stop being empathetic, okay? So let's not do that. Uh, number two, it won't leave you for another surfer if you forget about it for a few days. Why is a surfboard better than a companion than a girlfriend? And uh, number three, it doesn't, it's not worried about who your parents are. Uh, number four, it doesn't mind being put on a leash. <laughs> Ooh, getting nasty, getting nasty. Okay, I didn't write them. And then it won't attempt to make you spend time with it when you'd rather be elsewhere. Uh, number eight, it won't keep you up at night thinking about it. And number seven, the big one, it likes being walked on. That's right, there you go. I know, pretty savage. I, I, the, the college ministry was much more responsive back then, and they laughed a lot. <laughs> but what was interesting, the girls took it to heart, they went home, and they came up with their own list, and they gave it to me the next week. And I literally, they walked up, said, here it is. And I said, what? And it was a list, and I opened it up, and it was reasons why a cat is a better companion than a boyfriend. <laughs> this is what they wrote. Uh, they're always loyal, number one. Number two, they don't have a hard time growing facial hair. <laughs> Uh, number three, they don't have unrealistic expectations for you to try to live up to. Uh, number four, they don't mind eating off the floor. Uh, number five, kind of a dig here, they're not afraid to kill bugs. Um, number six, they don't, they, <laughs> they have hair on their chest. Oh. And then uh, number seven, the coup de gras, the best of all uh, the list here, is they don't mind drinking out of the toilet. There you go. So now it's impossible. Uh, you know, people in the past used to enjoy that a lot more than you just did. So I don't know what. <laughs> but it's impossible to speak on a topic like this because everybody has an opinion. Everybody's got an expert. Uh, everybody has an idea and a background, a level of experience. And most of them are really unique. And so, uh, interesting enough, I would kind of like to, you know, talk about this particular area as far as dating, guy, gal, that kind of thing. But most of us talk too much about it, you know, in our private conversations. And really, all of us are frustrated by how much pressure we get when we begin to start thinking about this realm of, of spending time with a person or a persons of the opposite sex. Because it gets really difficult because our friends put pressure on us. And our parents put pressure. You say, what kind of pressure? They got you married off on your first date before you finish your first round of mini golf. You know what I'm saying? And so it's a lot of pressure. And so all of us have made mistakes. All of us have been frustrated. Uh, maybe you're trusting the Lord with this. Regardless of your attitude, I kind of want to challenge you tonight to think about some things in this area. And, and as we start, there's some suppositions in your outline there. And I'm going to go kind of quickly across this and then work our way through some practical stuff. But letter A, relationships are good. Relationships are good. Now, when you think about relationships, come on now, be honest. 
think about the, the most ideal, perfect relationship that you could possibly think about. Some people will go right to their parents, which is cool that you could do that. Some will go to a young couple that they know or friends that they have or a marriage that they know that's really awesome. But as a Christian, if you are a Christian in this room, I would think that really where you need to go is where relationships started, and that is in the triune God. The greatest relationship that ever existed in eternity, past, and eternity future, is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in perfect unity, three persons, one God. And that's why, that's why we have relationships. That's why we have marriage. That's why we have friendships. That's why the church is supposed to be one. That's why there's supposed to be unity, because of God. Because God is in relationship, we then, who are made in his image, also enjoy relationships, and they're good. They're good. Now, they're hard, they're messy, they, they can be difficult, but they're good. They're something that reflects who God is. So therefore, don't be writing off, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be a hermit. You know, don't, you're going to be in relationship with people, and that's a good thing. That's a starting place. The second thing you might not have noticed, the letter B, is relationships are going to be your biggest test. It's actually going to show what kind of person you are. I never fail to be amazed by these men that I would be training in the college ministry or even here at FBC, working with them, working with them, working with them. They, they get in a relationship, and all of a sudden their whole life falls apart. It's actually a test to prove your character. So really all the other stuff that you're involved in that establish your credibility as a believer who loves the Lord, who follows his word, etc., is really going to be tested in the area of relationships. If you can pull that off, you can pretty much pull anything off. If you can do it the way God wants you to do, it's an ultimate test. Does that make sense? It is a test. In fact, it's so testy that you got verses like 1 John 4.20, if someone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he's a... And how many times have we seen relationships where they break up and they almost hate each other, right? There's just a lot of bad blood there. And that's the test for a believer that we would be able to have relationships that would be enduring, that, that would not spoil, that would not cause us to look away when we look at that individual in the future, that we actually do these things the way God expects us to do them. Letter C, relationships are a growth tool. You're going to grow more probably in any other way than you would in relationship than any other means. You're going to grow through the word. You're going to grow, yes, definitely by the spirit of God. But it's going to be a lot of times through the means of relationship that you become more of what God wants you to become. I, I've talked a couple after couple after couple after couple. And they will tell you that my main growth was at, when I got married, all of a sudden I found out, wow, that's a real test of my walk with God. That's a real test of me becoming what God wants me to become. And you'll hear young couples and even Pat and Natalie sharing a lot of what God taught them through that process. It refines you. It, it's like a scalpel. It cuts you. It uh, carves things out of your lives. It's a test and a tool that God uses. And letter D, relationships are not fatal. You may have made mistakes in the past uh, regardless of that. Now, I used to talk to guys and I'd go, hey, what are you? You know, they go, well, I'm a BTR. I'm like, what's a BTR? Bachelor to the rapture. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I ain't done. I'm not done. Girls, it just freaked me out. Okay, I got it. You, you know what? They're not fatal. And, and you're, you're not going to fail at everything. And I love it how people finish. So failure's not fatal. You want to be one who's in this process, in God's timing, when it's right, and it's going to cause you to become the man or the woman that God wants you to become. 
And then relationships are letter E, under authority. Under authority. For the Christian, not everybody in this room is a Christian, but for the Christian, it is the authority of the Word of God. It's the authority of the church. It's the authority of godly leaders, people who are mentors to you that we, we model after. Uh, but it's really primarily God's Word. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about relationships in light of God's Word. And if you're not a Christian, that's okay. But I want you to understand how Christians are driven. Sometimes you look at Christians, you go, oh, they just keep a bunch of rules. Well, I'm going to help you to understand that it's not rules they're trying to keep. It's a relationship they're trying to please. It's a person they're trying to please in that process. And I'll explain that as we get closer. But really, one thing you need to do, whether you're courting, whether you're dating, or whatever process you're going to go through, you need to understand that one-on-one relationships are going to cause you to grow more intimate with that person. You can say, oh, we're just friends as a guy and a gal. The closer you get, the more you're going to be drawn in relationship because that's the way God made us. He made us to be one. He made us to be intimate. And therefore, it's going to push you towards marriage in those close friendships. You need to understand that's how you're made. And so I want to take a look at three questions that come out of God's Word that hopefully we'll be able to ask and answer. And it comes from God's Word, and then I'm going to make some application out of experience uh, with uh, when my, I was a college pastor, we had about 800 collegians. Honestly, one summer I did about 60 weddings. It was a crazy experience. It was one of the best I've ever had in my entire life. But I told myself I would never do a dating series. Ever, 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 ever. I just, I'm so tired of that. You know, you got a college ministry, you got to do a dating series. And then I'd find these solid guys and solid gals, and they're totally messing up in their dating relationships. So I was forced to do a dating series called Righteous Roots of Relationship. It's actually still on our website. If you want more than tonight, you can listen to all 12 messages. Uh, I was a much younger me. I was much better at preaching. And so you'll love it better. So anyway, all that, it's on our website. All you have to do is look for vintage sermons. Uh, They're out of the 80s, but somehow it still works today. People actually go through it. So if you want more, you can go there. I also did a series, Let the Men Be Men and Women Be Women. And uh, that's coming out as well. So question number one, here we go. You ready? What do you look for? What do you look for in a relationship or a friendship with the opposite sex? Well, turn if you would. If you've got your Bible, I hope you do. And if you don't, that's okay. Matthew chapter 7. Now, what is on your list? What is on your list? Come on, now, I'm not going to ask you to share because that would be totally embarrassing, right? Uh, but we, whether we admit it or not, we've all got a list. You know, she's looking for a guy who's six foot two. He's a stud. He's got blonde hair. Got to have blonde hair. And he drives a Porsche or something like that. Because I've lived long enough, it's really funny to see what they end up with, right? He's 5'2", bald, and drives a moped. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So the good news is, is that Jesus has a list for you. And it's found here in Matthew 7, 16. Take a look at it. Matthew 7, 16. You know them by their what? Oh, come on, say it. You know them by their what? Fruits. Every good tree bears good fruit. Every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So then you will know them by their fruits. Now I want you to write this word down. Write the word provenness. Provenness. I made that word up. It doesn't exist. How do you know that that good-looking babe or that good-looking boy is a real believer or a make-believer? How do you know? The answer is provenness. Provenness. Uh, Jesus is very straightforward. You know the false from the true by their fruits. And that's what he's talking about here, the real and the, and the phony. 
by the actions they do, by the words they say, by the attitudes they manifest, fruit. Listen, when things come out of someone's mouth, the Bible tells us it comes from their what? Heart. It tells you about that. When they, when they demonstrate their actions, it tells you about them. When they're manifesting attitudes, that as well comes from the heart. And so you say, oh, I got it. Yeah, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Well, yeah, it's that, but there's more. Well, I mean, service to others. That's what you're talking about, Chris, right? No, no, you're kind of missing the point of provenness. Provenness, write this down, fruit over time. Fruit over time. Character over time. Conviction over time. Not a moment, not a decision. They didn't decide, I'm going to go on a mission trip. That makes me spiritual. Or I made a decision at camp. That makes me spiritual. No, it's a life that's lived over time consistently. Just not a moment. It's established over a period of time. Have they faithfully, passionately pursued Christ over a long period of time? You say, well, how will you know that? Well, you need to see them at church. You need to see them at school. You need to see them at work. You need to see them in relationship to people who are older. You need to see how they treat their parents and how they talk about their parents. You need to see their life over time. Sometimes if you're in an artificial environment, I used to talk to Christian college students and they have this little artificial you know, microcosm of Christianity and you need to see them outside of that. You need to see them when they're at play, when they're goofing off, when they're at home, when they're at work because that's gonna show you what their character's really like, not what they're showing you, but what they're really like. After a while, if you've been in a relationship for about a year, that the facades begin to drop, do they not? And you begin to see that person for who they really are. That's part of provenness, is seeing them for who they really are. And someone who's faithful over time producing fruit, that's the person. Now think about it. What makes the ideal Christian marriage? Uh, is it the right amount of kids? You know, a boy for me, a girl for you. Praise the Lord, we're finally through. That kind of thing. <laughs> or, or is it someone, and this is what I like to say, who loves Jesus Christ more than you do, and they love Jesus Christ more than you. They love Christ more than you. You want to find somebody who's a keeper? Find somebody who loves Christ that much, and the overflow of that relationship will spill over you the rest of their life. I got one like that. Loves Christ more than me, and I get the residue. And I'm telling you, it's worth it. You know what I'm saying? You want that kind of person. You see, well, Chris, you really can't know that before they're married. You can't know if they're proven. Now, when people say stuff like that to me, you need to know something about me. There's, there's someone else who lives inside of me. His name is BC. Uh, his, his, that's his initials. His name is Bad Chris. And Bad Chris comes out when people say stupid stuff like that to me. And he comes out and he looks at them and he says, wait, 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 wait. You mean, what do you mean you can't tell what they're gonna be like later on right now? You can tell. You can't do it. You reap what you, what? So, you know what? If they're loving God now over time, over months, over years, they're doing everything in the strength of God, they're loving God with all their heart, they're selflessly serving Christ, you're going to see things in them now, over time, that's going to be consistent. Eventually, a character is going to be manifest. Eventually. Let me help you with something. You want to marry somebody, you want to look for somebody who disciples others. You say, why that? Do you know what parenting is? What's the answer, anyone? Discipleship. Take that. There, there isn't the word parenting in the New Testament. It's discipleship. That's what parents are doing to their kids. They're training them, discipling them to be Christ followers. 
And if you know how to do that now, then you'll know how to do that later. You want to know if they're going to be a great parent now? If they're discipling now. You, oh, that's it's pretty simple. You say, well, what about their men? Do they know how to be a man? Do they know how to be a woman? Do they fill out the role of men and women that's designed in the scripture? Are they actually living that out? If they're living that out, they'll live that out in their marriage. You know how many times Gene and I have talked about, like, well, you, you should be the role of the woman, honey, and I should be the role of the man. You know how many times we've got? Probably five times in our entire marriage. We've been married 40 years. You say, why? Because we just do it. We just live it out. We lived it out beforehand. We live it out now in marriage. We I never tell her to submit. I never. She never tells me, lead, would you lead? Hurry up, lead, you idiot, lead. She doesn't do that. <laughs> Just do it. And, and you know what? And she offers me incredible counsel. I always listen to her. Always. I always get her advice. I'm always asking her. I mean, we're doing it together. We're co-pilot pilot, man. I mean, we are in this together. But, but we just fill out our role. We never even beat each other up over it. It's just the way it is. Uh, if they serve others in the church now, they'll probably serve others in the church later. If they're doing it now, uh, it's really interesting. If they witness to the lost now, they understand their purpose on the planet. Is the, you know, why he's kept us here so we can be light and salt to, to a lost generation. We're here to proclaim Christ, right? That's why we're here. So if you, they do it now, they'll do it later. Listen, wake up, gals. If they're selfish, whiny, complaining, too cool to be humble, into himself, lazy slug of a guy now, more often than not, they'll be that later. What you see is what you... Thank you. Guys, if they're self-consumed, super needy, appearance-driven, flirtatious now, more often than not, they'll be that later because what you see is what you... Don't talk to bad Chris, okay? Because bad Chris is going to tell you, listen, don't go down that road. You can know by the pattern of their life. Now, if you're going to throw your relationship together in a month, you're not going to know. But if you're watching one another, observing one another, pursuing Christ in that kind of environment, you're going to see people who are living this out, who are demonstrating what it means to be Christ-like and what God has called us to do. Listen, if you ignore provenness, understand what will happen is you'll think you've got a good deal, it'll turn into an ordeal, and then you'll want a new deal. You know what I'm saying? So Jesus said, you will know them by their... Bruce. Provenness by the way they demonstrate. You don't demonstrate provenness by going on a mission trip. You don't get it at a camp. Uh, you know, you see it in life. And if you can't say amen to that, then say ouch. But somehow understand that provenness is a part of it. We're looking at this is longevity. This is a real relationship, a real person. So that's question number one. Question number two, how do you develop relationships? The answer is by following God's word. How do you develop relationships? By following God's word. Well, let me give you some hint as to how that might live out. Uh, the Lord's given us a very clear instruction if you would just follow the Bible. Just because the Bible doesn't say, this is how you date or have a boyfriend or court a gal, doesn't mean that God's word is silent about relationships. So here are some pointed don'ts and do's. Don'ts and do's. First, don't deceive. Don't deceive. Uh, Pat and Natalie actually mentioned this. Colossians is a lot about complete in Christ. And if we're going to be complete in Christ, then Colossians 3.9 says, Do not lie to one another, since you have laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Now, when it says do not lie, that's a continual command, which means 24-7, we're be marked by non-deception. Our whole way of life is to be the absent of deceit, and that includes our relationship. Now, a lie, everybody knows this, right? A lie is any misrepresentation of truth. Now, honestly, we've all gone down this road. Not one of you 
has, has been polypure, okay, when it comes to deception. I, we, we all do it. Come on, will you admit it? We all do it. We kind of want people to think better of us than what we really are. And understand, a lie is any misrepresentation, even if it's words or tone of voice or gesture. Anytime I mislead someone, I'm lying to them and cooperating with the father of lies. Some of us think that it's acceptable, even expected in relationships, though it always leads to disaster. I mean, think about the classic first date. Come on. You go out on a date, what? You carefully what you say, you've chosen the, the restaurant, with, you've picked the right menu item. Nobody on a first date gets spaghetti. You know what I'm saying? Because it's gonna slop, plop, and then you're over. You know what I mean? It's not gonna do it. You're very careful to phrase words in just the right way, careful how you act, you get doors. You don't burp out loud, guys. You want to, you don't pick your nose. You don't take advantage when she's pouring out her heart about her parents, a big juicy yawn right in the middle of that. <laughs> Basically, most people on a first date are trying really hard not to be themselves. But deception goes deeper than that. So let me give you some examples. I think I stole this from Sean Farrell. Uh, well, one of them is the lie of the belief of love at first sight. You ever heard that lie? Love at first sight? Anybody believe in that? I hope you don't. I call that rom romantic roulette. Very similar to Russian roulette. The idea is that you can meet someone and know instantly after one date or just a few that he or she is the one, right? Romantic roulette. You just know it's right because her name is the same name as your favorite childhood toy. Her name is Tonka, okay? Gollum, her name's Gollum. Uh, or, or Barbie, which raises all kinds of issues. Okay, so another form of lying is you're just not speaking honestly. And this is what you guys were talking about, right? Just speaking honestly. Ladies, you've had a terrible day. There's a run in your stockings. Your mascara's running. You're running late. You ran out of deodorant, and you have the runs. Okay, so all that. And you want to scream. You want to cry. And then he walks down the hallway, right? And immediately, you change your attitude. You smile. He says, hey, how's everything going? Everything's great! Couldn't be better. That's deceit. Okay, it's a very subtle form of lying. I'm not saying you should say my life stinks. My hair melted my curling iron and you know whatever. I, I'm grounded, you know, and my parents hate me. I, I'm not saying that, but but you're giving him a false impression. See, you're you're not actually being genuine. We we do this a lot. You find out that he's into baseball, and all of a sudden, you know, and he loves the Dodgers, and then you become a Dodger fan. You don't even know it's on the Dodgers, okay? You don't even know what is a Dodger, okay? You laugh at his jokes even though they're not funny <laughs> at all. And you watch his games even though you hate sporting events. All of a sudden, guys, you're into country music because she's into country music. Yeah, you changed the way you're dressed. You got some cowboy boots going, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, okay. So all of a sudden, you know, you're following that girl your dreams right into the uh, young Republican club on campus, you know? And she goes, you're into politics. And you go, yeah, yeah. You don't even know what a Republican is, okay? So you pretend to love the Lord, be committed to Christ, or you don't say anything about the Lord at all. You, you work it, not lying. The point is, we tend to be very subtle about it when actually we should really work hard at trying to be genuine without being abrasive. Uh, but, uh, you know, tr we try not to guess motives, dream up in intentions, you know, try not to presume, you know, you walk down the hallway, he says hi, and you go, he loves me. <laughs> no, that's not it. Uh, watch your desires, too. Don't allow your emotions to control you, distort you, deceive you. Watch out for, you know, 
well, we're going to get married, so it's okay to get involved physically, or we love each other, so it's okay to lie, or anything that feels good can't be wrong, or I know he's not saved, but, you know, I'll never let it go that far. Don't deceive. Don't deceive yourself. Don't deceive others. Try to be genuine. Try to be honest. Try to be sincere. Now, you know, and gals, when a guy asks you out and you don't want to go with him, you don't have to go, I would never go out with you, you dirtbag. No, you don't have to say that. But <laughs> let him down easy, but you don't have to lie. Just tell the truth. Just I'm not interested. You know, just it doesn't connect with me. I'm good. You know, try to be gracious. Number two, uh, secondly, under this don't, was don't defraud. Don't defraud. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. This is God's will for you. Run away, run away, literally, run away from every form of immorality. There's a, there's, a read. there's different kinds of sins. You know, this is a little soft. It's none of my notes. But there's different kinds of sins. And physical sin is one that you're supposed to flee from. And the reason you flee from it is because you can't handle it. I can't handle it. We can't handle it, human beings. That's why he said run away. Don't, don't be there. Uh, every form of lust, uh, from lust to premarital sex, just run. Run from that. First six that no man transgress or defraud his brother in this matter. Now, this is a difficult passage to interpret, but defraud is very clear, and it means to take what is not yours to take. Write that down. It's to take what is yours not to take. When you're dating in relationships, you need to understand that that person you're dating is someone else's spouse. They don't belong to you. They only belong to you when you say, I do, and that marriage is consummated. Then they belong to you. Until then... They're, they're not yours. And you're not to take anything away from them that belongs in their marriage. Does that make sense? Anything. So understand, anything that belongs to a future husband or future wife, pursued by you or taken by you, who's not a spouse, who may not be a spouse, is defraud. Now that was with your words or actions. Don't make marital promises without a marital proposal. Don't make marital promises without a marital proposal. Don't have a pretend marriage. That's defraud. Uh, don't manipulate someone into liking you. That's defraud. Don't be possessive over a guy or gal. That's defraud. Claim a guy or gal as your territory. That's defraud. Attract a person to yourself instead of to Christ. That's defraud. Make demands of a person short of a life that honors Christ. That's defraud. You see, defraud usually sneaks up on you in three different ways. You might want to write these down. They may be in your notes there. One, with the exchange of gifts. This is how we defraud. Okay, there's, there's other ways. A lot of it's verbal, but we do it with gifts. When you guys start giving expensive gifts, you're making a promise of something permanent. You know, every kiss does not begin with K, okay? You understand that? <laughs> Diamonds are not for forever, okay? The, the, those belong in a permanent relationship, not a, you know, I'm interested in this girl kind of relationship. Uh, God's forever. When you gals make elaborate and thoughtful things for a guy... Too soon, too fast, you're pushing the defraud button. You know, you knit him a, a motorcycle or something like that, you know? Okay. Now, understand, much of this is for later. Uh, but anytime you manipulate another person to respond in some way, you make it difficult for them. When you make it difficult for them to back out of the relationship or the next date, that's defraud. It, it means you, you should never give them anything or make them like you more. You can give them things to make them love Christ more, but not you. There's no verses in the Bible that actually command you to give things to make them love you more. It's, it's, it's many, you know, basically to make Christ uh, the focus. So 
please understand, I'm into romance. I can sound like I'm going to be really dull and stale and whatever. Understand, God is into romance. God invented romance. Okay, Song of Solomon, remember that? It's in the Bible. One of the 66 books of the Bible. You read it and you understand it, you turn red. I mean, it's, woo, baby. Okay, but most of Song of Solomon takes place in the context of engagement and marriage. It's not talking about pre-relationship. That's where most romance belongs. We have it backwards today. We think romance is winning our spouse, but actually romance is to take place in engagement and in marriage. In other words, men, you're committing to a lifetime of romance, a lifetime of it. You should pursue it. But we've pushed it down into singles, and it really doesn't belong there. Uh, this, you become too bound too quickly. So it's often hurtful and harmful when romance is practiced without a license. Marriage license. Okay. <laughs> Two, the second way people defraud is with their use or abuse of time. You all know this to be true. Uh, every one of you know this to be true. Whenever a couple disappears from their contact with all their friends because they got into a relationship with others, they step into the most common form of defraud. It's called a pretend marriage. They do it. And this is the sin of becoming too close too soon, usually results in sexual sin, usually. This often is the, a pretend marriage where you end up spending more time together than most couples do. If you actually understood how much time couples get together in marriage, you'd be discovering that you're spending way more time than they do. Which way? Way much more time. It's, it's a pressure to get time in marriage. It is. You fight for it. Uh, it doesn't come naturally. And, uh, and measure your time. So you start gradual, you progress. Listen, if you could think wisely, okay, now this is what the Bible says when it says sensible. If you think sensibly about relationships, then no element of your life should progress past any other element. So think about yourselves emotionally, physically, uh, mentally, um, spiritually, all these different elements of who you are. They should progress progressively. What happens in relationships is all of a sudden, physical! Get physical. Uh, physical! And, all, and everything else. And then they tell themselves and talk themselves into this idea, oh yeah, we're very close. Oh yes, we're emotionally bound. Oh yeah. And they keep working. And really what they should have done was all progressed in every area of their lives, mentally, socially. You're trying to figure out if everything lines up. And then you're trying to figure out whether God meant you to be together. Whether And the question for us, at least you know, this may not be for you, but for us was, can we serve Christ better together than separate? Or is it wrong for us to not be together because this is the way God intended us to serve the Lord together? Does that make sense? We begin to ask that question. But somehow you've got to pace that. Give it enough time to learn. Are we, are we mentally capacity, you know, Are we emotionally? Are, you know, it's all this working. Uh, you know, are, are we service-wise even matched up together that we, that we complement one another, etc.? So measure your time and be prog- progressively slow and calculating instead of rushing ahead. And if the Lord's your first priority, then maybe he ought to get more time than this relationship. Right? You got to be thinking that through. Third, the third way that we defraud uh, is making promises. This is the guy who on the first date says, how many kids you want? Um, or the one who says, I love you, that kind of thing. The, the answer to this is never promise her anything until you can promise her everything. Never promise her anything until you can promise her everything. And that goes for you gals too. Never give a verbal promise of a future relationship or a vision of a future relationship unless you're ready to propose. Just don't do it. Don't defraud. 
And mark this, men and women, if you disregard this on defraud, God says he's going to get you. He does. He actually warns you in the same passage I read, 1 Thessalonians 4. said, let no man transgress or defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the, what? Avenger in all these things. And if you reject this, you're not rejecting Chris Mueller. You're rejecting God. You're not rejecting man, he says at the end here, but God. God will avenge the defrauded. If, and if you reject this, you're rejecting God. So if you're dating or in a relationship, you want it to be like Christ. And if it's going to be that way, you're going to follow God's word with the don'ts as well as some do's. So here are some do's. Thirdly, do get a mentor. Do get a mentor. Titus 2.4 is funny to me in the church. It says older women are to train the younger women to literally, it says there in the text, love their husbands. But it actually, the word is not agape. It's phileo. And you can translate that in English, like. Your husbands. The older women are to train, whoa, are to train the younger women to like their husbands. Now, this always causes me to ask a question, and, and Ridge is already laughing about it. What is it about husbands and men in general that it takes an older woman to train a younger woman to like them? Come on, think about it. This supports my view that men are beasts, all right? <laughs> and women need a mentor now, and you'll need a mentor later. And by the way, men, you need a mentor too. It says in 1 Peter 5, 5, that the younger men are to be subject to the older men, the elders. We need mentors, those with experience, who have been there, those who want what's best for us. Man, if you lived in the Reformation, you know, and they're butchering Christians right and left, or you live in China right now, and they're, they're butchering Christians right and left, and your life depended on getting a theology question right, who would you ask? Would you ask a junior higher, or would you ask John MacArthur, right? If your life depended on it, your answer would be John MacArthur, okay? Listen, your choice of a spouse is the second most important decision you will ever make in your life. The second most important decision of your life. Why are you asking your friends who have no experience? Okay, you want their input. They go, oh, he's bad for you. That's good. But you need that older godly woman. You need that older godly guy to go, yeah, this is good, and here's why. Let me, let me give you some mature experience. I, I've been through this. I've seen this. So let me help you with that. You need that. Get a mentor. Someone with experience. Listen, when you ask your friends, understand, it's like asking <laughs> uh, someone who can't swim how to, how to beat the riptide. Do you, do you follow what I'm saying? If you can't swim, you have no experience, how are you going to help somebody beat the riptide? You're going to get sucked out to sea, you know, and you're going to be white shark bait. Right? Understand, get a mentor with experience, one who loves you, one who loves the Lord, one who follows the word, one who's consistent, they have the character, one that you're, are you ready for this now? A mentor you're a little bit afraid of. Because they, they always bring up the hard stuff. That, that one. one. One you respect. One you can easily honor. And let them ask tough questions of you. We need coaches in relationship. We do. Because you're, you, you haven't experienced all of it. I'm, t I'm talking to you, and I got saved at 18, okay? I got saved at 18. I needed people in my life immediately. And even with that, I'm fumbling and bumbling along. And it's tough, and it's hard. I get it, but you need those mentors. You really do. And you know what? Accountability only works when you want it to. When you want it to. 
So you have to say, I want this accountability. So the last do uh, that I have time for is, fourthly, do remain pure. This is Matthew 5. Students, uh, you know, let me, let me help you. Um, I, I know this is going to rock your world, so let me say it. Already, Sex is good. It's good. Can I hear an amen? amen. Yeah. No, you, you don't want to amen that. I don't know what's wrong with you. God invented sex. Amen? Yes. Okay. Uh, two people agree. God designed the whole program. He made male. He made female. He did the whole thing. Sex is great. It's wonderful. It's, it's one of the best ways as a human being to express the deepest kind of love with great pleasure in the confines of marriage. It's worth waiting for. Negatively, that's positive. God made it. It's his design. Wasn't made by Playboy. Wasn't made by Playgirl. It was God. God did this. It's not dirty. It's good. Some people don't even look me in the eye right now. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. Listen, the New Testament also tells you negatively 27 times, write that number down, that premarital sex is wrong. It's wrong. In marriage, yes. Out of marriage, no. Getting it? First Timothy 5 says, Timothy, treat younger women like your sister and men like brothers. How many of you guys would ever consider making out with your sister? Please be grossed out. If you're saved, if Christ lives in you, if the Holy Spirit, you can resist, you can flee, you can deny your urges. You don't have to live like an animal. You can deny your hormones. You can. You can. So where's the line then? You know, how far can I go? That's the classic question, right? Well, God gives us that, and it's a matter of the heart. Write down heart. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. You've heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks on a woman to lust for her has committed adultery already in his heart. In his heart. When you lust in your heart, you've gone too far. When you lust in your heart, you've gone too far. If your motor starts to run, you've crossed the line. I'm just being practical. Can I be? Motor runs, heart's involved, lusting, etc. The heart's the issue. And God was wise. He made it a heart issue and not a physical line. Because if we made it a physical line, we would turn it into legalism in a heartbeat. So let me prove it to you. Just imagine if God said, okay, hugging is okay, but then everything beyond that, no. What would we do? What would we do? We would start to define what kind of hugs are okay. Right? The, the front hug, bad. Side hug, good. Back hug, perfect. Okay. Right? The one second hug, very holy. Five second, fleshly. Right? The flower hug, ha, huh, so good. The jaws of death, bad. Okay? We would do that. That's what we would do. So God said, no, 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 I'm concerned about your heart. He's concerned about your head and your heart because that's going to issue forth in your drives. So understand, stay pure. It can be done. Now, I'll, I'll just share this with you. I wish that I could say this about all my relationships up to the point that I dated Gene. But by that time, I was so beat up uh, that I was like, we've got to do this right. We've got to do this right. So this is, this is our standard. This is not your standard. This is my, whose standard is this? I'm going to tell you. This is not your standard. I don't want any legalism here. Okay, this is what we need to do. No, no. This is what I did because I am weak and insipid. Okay, I'm just telling you. I know myself. So Gene and I decided 
that we would not kiss until I asked her to marry me. Okay? No big deal, but we just said, we're not going to do it. And when I asked her to marry her, I planted one on her. Okay? <laughs> and if you're worried about this standard, understand, we didn't kiss until we got engaged, but we made up for lost time, baby. Okay? <laughs> I'm just telling you, I've had 40 years of practice, all right? Understand, it doesn't, listen, I may be 65, but I'm in a 22-year-old mental state here, okay? So, and it was tough. It was tough in our relationship. We battled with it, but we said, no, we could do this because we, you know what? We just wanted that out of the way. And we knew that it would be a problem for both of us. Uh, she came out of the world and I came out of the world. We were saved late in life. We did not want any of that to mess up our relationship. And so we were grateful for it. Uh, but you can do that. You can do it. It's tough, but you can. And I'm not saying you need to do that, but understand you can't have the physical be the last thing. The last thing. It can be the last thing. And guaranteed, you will make up for lost time. All right? Stay pure. Don't, and if not, start over. Break up now. Whatever it needs to do. One, one of the gals in my student ministry a long time ago in campus life, she, she committed herself. She wanted to be pure. She was dating this guy. He couldn't control himself. She stuck her fingers down her throat and threw up in his lap. You say, wow. He cooled off pretty quick. Um, but she was serious about purity. So whatever it is, whatever it needs, be serious about purity. Don't let that mess up your relationship. That's the last thing, the last thing to come. Now, now some of you are going, okay, this sounds very legalistic, all right? And that's why I hesitate even sharing that was my standard, not your standard. That's not, you can kiss, that's fine. Just don't let it go out of control, okay? And we just weren't able to do that. So we said no for us because we're weak and insipid. Uh, but understand, you're maybe looking at us going, man, these Christians, all a bunch of rules and all that kind of stuff. Listen, what happens when you get saved? What Jesus did in, in providing salvation for us was really unique. So you understand that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. So understanding that we believe as Christians that there's only one way of salvation, and that's through Jesus Christ. Not through Buddha, not through Mary, not through Hinduism, and not through Mohammedism. No, no, none of that. But only through Christ. He is the only way. He was God's son who lived a perfect life and then offered himself on the cross. And all which separated us from God was sin. All of our sin fell on Christ, and then his righteousness covers us. That's called being justified. That's salvation, but also in salvation, something else is really dramatic. When he saves a person, and this is what some people on the outside don't get. They don't understand this. When he saves you, he regenerates you. He changes your heart. It's called being born again. And when he changes your heart, you actually have new desires, new hopes. And you want to please the one who did everything for you. Christ did not have to offer himself to die on our behalf. He, he could have actually sent all of us to eternal torment in hell. But out of love for his children, he calls us to himself, covers us with his righteousness, which is the only way we can go to heaven. We can't stand in heaven unless we're covered with his perfection. And he changes our hearts called regeneration, which means that now I want to obey the Bible. I want to please him. And that's why Christians follow these rules. You're looking at it going, oh, man, how stifling, how whatever. And we're looking at it going, we just want to please the Lord we love. We just want to honor him. And, you know, we struggle with it. You know, our, we, we, our will still asserts itself and all that kind of stuff. But we still want to please him. Even when we fail to, we still want to. 
Some may even compromise in their relationships, fall flat on their face, and they're going, but I still want to pursue Jesus. I still want to please him. Because he gave us a heart that wants to. And that's what sets us apart. That we're forgiven, we're cleansed, we're washed, we have a new home in heaven. Our conscience is washed clean. We can pursue and we can be right with God now in, a, in an abundant life now and eternal life forever if you're in Christ. So if you're not here tonight in Christ, if you don't know what it means to be a Christian, understand the only way you will is to surrender your life, give it to Christ, and for his righteousness to cover you. And it's a supernatural thing that only God can do. You cry out, say, change my heart. Save me. Forgive me. I want salvation. You cry out to him and he will change your life. But understand when we're talking about all this, none of this happens outside the context of Christ empowering us and giving us a desire to pursue his word. Does that make sense? We need his spirit indwelling us to even make any attempts in this world, in this realm. And this again, remember, it's the big test. It's the one that's going to cause you to grow. This is a big one for all of you in this room. So number three, then, what do you do now? Answer, trust in God's timing and enjoy this time. Trust in God's timing and enjoy this time. Now relax and enjoy relationships. Turn to Matthew 19, if you would. Matthew 19. Understand, when you're 18, gals want a guy who's a combination of John MacArthur and Brad Pitt. That's what they want. I hear Brad is, by the way, available. Um, (laughs) But when you're 24, Christian gals want a godly man. When you're 28, most gals want a guy who goes to church. When you're 34, most want a guy who knows where a church is. Okay, it kind of declines there. So Matthew 19, verse 5, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother, shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now watch this. Consequently, they are no longer two, but one. Now watch this phrase. Underline it. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Who puts you together? Whoa. Can you trust in that? We focus, and let me focus on let no man separate. God's the one who's going to put you together. That statement affirms the sovereignty of God in your future marriage partner. And when you're ready, God will bring that perfect person into your life and put you together. Therefore, trust his timing. Trust his timing. Don't be desperate. Uh, it's a little bit older now. Uh, people are getting married older. It's a part of our culture, so it's going to happen a little bit later for most people. Don't panic. Don't rush. Don't believe the lie. God's in control. Is God in control? Yeah, well, then you've got you to gotta trust it. And you know what? It's going to test you. It's going to test your character. You're going to sometimes have moments of panic. It's going to be difficult. Um, he understands that. And maybe you're lonely, but maybe God wants you to use that loneliness to you know, push you towards him. He's a jealous God. There shouldn't be competitors. So don't tune out because trusting in God's timing doesn't mean you sit around waiting for the marriage bus. The key to waiting for God and waiting for your mate that God provide is to drink up this time as a single before you're married. You trust God fully enjoying this time as your life as a single. So I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 7. I want to look at that a little bit. God has told you what to focus on as a single. 1 Corinthians, you know this verse, but I'm going to hammer it away again. 735, he reminds you of a once in a lifetime, sounds like a salesperson, once in a lifetime special opportunity. You're never going to get it. Right now is the only time in your life you'll be able to, 1 Corinthians 735, have undistracted devotion to the Lord. The only time in your life ever will be now as a single. Only time. In the context here, I am speaking authorial intent. This is exactly what this text means to tell you. The only time in your life that you can enjoy undistracted devotion to the Lord is as a single. Only time. 
uh, it says to the singles, for this I say to your own benefit, to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. Now, I know who I am. I'm decorated dust. My righteousness is filthy rags. I bring nothing to the table uh, to earn anything from God. And yet one of the graces that God allowed me to enjoy was my singleness. Uh, I had struggles. I did. But from about age 21 to 24, I had a blast as a single. I did. I'm just telling you. I was hired at Grace Community Church a long time ago as a junior high pastor back when the earth crust was hardening and their dinosaurs still roamed on the earth. That's a long time ago. And I got to enjoy undistracted devotion as a single. I would have pastors actually come to my office. I'd be in my office working 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, and they would go, what are you doing here? And, 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 and they go, well, why don't you go home? And then finally, after about three weeks, I would say to him, I said, what for? And he looked at me and he goes, oh, yeah, and he left. And he understood he had to go home to be with his wife and his kids. I didn't have to go home to be with anybody. I could keep working. I could go on any mission trip. I could go around the world. I did. I could do all kinds of stuff that a married guy can't do. I had undistracted. You know what? When I was in college, I used to go across the street and I'd read my Bible, read Romans for three hours. Just every day. Because I had this giant break in my classes. Nothing had, I, I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't have anybody I had to be with. It was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Undistracted devotion. Understand, Paul also says, make your time as a single blast in a negative way. He says in 1 Corinthians seven twenty-eight. he says, when you marry, you will have what? Trouble. trouble. That word trouble, I am not making this up. That word trouble is the same word that the Bible translates to translate the great tribulation. <laughs> I'm not making this up. It's the exact same word. So when you get married, the seas turn to blood, the rocks come down from heaven, and you'll shake your fist in heaven. Why this one? No. No, that's not true. But once I got married, I couldn't work away from home like all night long. Uh, I had to come home. I had, you know, I had to buy life insurance when I got married. <laughs> I had to find a decent place to live, not the dark apartment that I lived in. I even had to buy food and clothes for my children, those brats. <laughs> I could, I, you know, I, I, I had to provide for them. I was no longer undistracted. And that's what Paul means. That's what he means. God's timing, trust his timing. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't long for a spouse so much that you miss. I'm, I'm, it's okay to long to be married if God made you to be married. That's okay. It really is. But trust his timing and don't miss this opportunity. You have an opportunity as singles to do some incredible things for the kingdom. You really do. Don't miss it. Uh, I remember being able to read the word again like for hours, serve Christ, give myself away, go on trips that other people couldn't go on. Uh, go to dangerous places that, you know, needed the gospel. I could do that. And it wasn't a big deal. Now it's a big deal. You know, when you have little rugrats, you're like, I can't die. I got to go home and, you know, make sure they're okay. <laughs> uh, a recent Gallup poll stated that only 49% of high schoolers said that they would not die for anything. They wouldn't die for a person, a cause, a family member, nothing which also means that they wouldn't live for anything. The number one word out of a high school student in, in the last decade was whatever. Number one word, whatever. Don't be that way. Don't be that way, Christian. Uh, Jesus promised an abundant life. He can do exceeding abundant beyond all that you ask or think as a single, as a single. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert, extrovert, live a little. Uh, be hungry to learn. Drink in your education. Learn things. 
you know, be ready to laugh. Enjoy life. Enjoy one another. Um, be interested in people. Learn how to listen. Start talk, Stop talking about people and start listening to people. Ask them questions. Ask your parents good questions. Uh, I, I started learning that as a collegian, and man, I got some wacky answers. I mean, crazy, impactful answers. I asked my dad one time uh, whether he, uh, he was an air-sea rescue boat captain in World War II. And I said, did you ever pick up anybody alive? And he never answered the question. All of the tears, my dad never cried. Tears formed in his eyes, and he never answered the question. I learned a lot about war just through that moment. I asked him about their dating. <laughs> your mom and your dad, that'll kill you. Um, <laughs> wonder at God's creation. Enjoy creation. Do what you do. Do those big hikes that you do, those crazy things. Be in awe over God. Don't lose your, wow, God is awesome. Don't lose it. Cultivate it. Bring it into marriage. And also, what it means to enjoy the opposite sex. Learn, learn about them. They're strange. They're, they're weird. Study them. Ask them questions. You say, well, how can I do that and not get labeled? How, how can I do that and keep my friends off my back? How can I do that and, and, and have it be nobody's business? Well, I, I, I don't know if I have a good answer for that. But I, I can tell you, I, I knew some guys in my college ministry that, that changed our entire college ministry of 500 collegians to up to 800 collegians. Two guys. They, they, they decided that they would not pair off. They would just go out with girls. So the two guys, they would always ask three girls out or five girls out, two guys, or one girl out, and they would do crazy stuff. One time they literally, on a, on a meridian of a, like a Winchester street, really busy street, on the middle of the street, they set up a table and had dinner, served dinner at the media, middle of the traffic, while the traffic's going by both sides, with these three girls that they were with until the police kicked them up. Um, uh, they, they would tell girls, wear your PJs, and they'd show up in tuxes and go bowling. Uh, they, every time, they would do crazy stuff. But they, all they did is they had fun. They, they decided they are going to have fun, they're not going to pair off, and then they're going to ask them questions. So they'd say, what's it like to be a woman? What's it like when you have your cycle? What's it like when you're this? What's it like? And, they, and because they weren't paired off, they could ask those kind of questions. Like, you know, what is it when you like a guy? What, what goes on in your heart and mind? You know, because they, they don't know. W women are mysterious. They don't understand them. And so they're, they're, men are, you know, blunt bulls. They, they don't understand these nuances. So they're, they're asking these questions, and they had a lot of fun. And so a lot of that happened in our student ministry. A lot of that happened in our college ministry. It was just people just had a great time. They didn't pair up, but they got to know one another, and they kind of got to know who they enjoyed being around, too, you know, as a precursor. Maybe you didn't like that. That's fine. But they tried to do it without the pressure of pairing off and having just time together and enjoying each other. Uh, some of you men need to lead the, the courage here. Lead the, lead the parade. Um, get creative. You know, there's more to, to relationships than a dinner and a show. That, that's the classic. Dinner or show. And what do you do in a movie? You just watch the show. You don't even talk. So let me give you some ideas, right? So uh, try visiting an airport terminal. Uh, watch people as they get off planes and make up stories of where they're from. Uh, that's one. That's fine. Yeah. Go on a picnic, but don't make your lunch. Uh, with 10 bucks, go to the store, do a little shopping together, and plan your picnic together. See what they buy. Buy $6 worth of public tra transportation tickets, you know, in San Diego. See how far you can get and still get back. Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, go to a golf course and rent a cart, drive around on the course. Uh, or go to the driving range, hit a bucket of balls, and make up some contests. You know, this is my science teacher. Whack. Uh, that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, go to a maternity uh, waiting room in the hospital for free television. Uh, and then uh, 
bring goodies and bring it with the waiting fathers and watch what they do. You know, kind of how they wait. Grab a pickup truck, load it with all kinds of fancy furniture and uh, back it up somewhere where you can do a walk-in, drive-in kind of thing and, and do that kind of thing. Go to a nursery, find what kind of plants you both like, buy a plant, you know, uh, plant it. <laughs> yeah. And then if it dies, you have to break up. So that, uh, you know. Listen, uh, when you finally get married, Understand, I am a firm believer, and this is something that our culture has reversed, and we need to reverse it back, because the Bible says that romance should occur in marriage. Dating shouldn't stop. Uh, I used to fight for date nights. We, we, would, we would go after it. When we couldn't afford babysitters, we found another couple with kids the same age, and our kids went over there, and their kids went over to our house once a week, and we would always have a date night. We always, we always had time, and, and we, we just spent time together. We got married to spend time together. We wanted to make sure our relationship was always strong, that we always dialogue. We never missed the moment. Um, and um, Jean and I were on one of our super romantic dates at uh, Costco. And um, <laughs> free samples, come on. Uh, hot dog and a Coke, come on. Um, it wasn't crowded, which was an unusual time. It was in the evening. We always, and I think you've probably heard me share this before, but we, we always make it a contest. If you go to Costco and you spend less than 100 bucks, you win, you know? <laughs> so we went in to get one item, and of course it was less than $100. We're kind of laughing. We won, we won, and we're headed up to the, and anyway, the, the cashier lady, she's watching us the whole time. We're walking up, and I'm looking at her, and we walk up, and she goes, newlyweds. And we've been married 20 years at the time. <laughs> and we said, no, we've been married 20 years, and, and, and shared with her, you know, that, 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 God had made a huge difference, that Christ had made a difference in our life. Uh, on another date with my wife, we tried to be creative occasionally, and of course we couldn't afford anything. A lot of times we'd go over to the, remember when video games were new? I guess you don't remember that. <laughs> remember Pong that you just played in kind of in a weird way? Uh, okay, that was the first video game. That's, I, I grew up, you know, like, like I saw Pong for the first time when I was my first year in college. It was the, That's how old I am. Um, we used to walk down and we'd have like 50 cents each and we'd pay video games, you know? And one time I had three bucks and I had three bucks and so six bucks total. And I gave her three bucks. I go, find three items at the, at the store that represent your love for me. And then I'll buy three items that represent my love for you. And then at dinner, we, we exchanged them and told them what they were gonna represent it. I don't remember anything that I gave her, not a thing. I remember though, I'll never forget what she gave me. She gave me candy because I was so sweet. <laughs> she gave me stickers, because a Hulk, Spider-Man, because I was her superhero. And then she gave me a log for the fireplace, because I'm her passionate, you know what, okay? <laughs> That's big. That's big for a guy, okay? So coming home from overseas trip, I'm missing Jean. Uh, it's about 20 years ago, and this is before 9-11, uh, and I saw her. Uh, in the terminal area, she ran up, she was crying. We'd been uh, away from each other for about two and a half weeks. And I picked up her five foot, two inch body and planted a giant kiss on her and spun her around. As I'm spinning her around, I'm hearing a weird sound. And so I stop after two rotations and I set her down and I look over to my left and there's three either high school senior gals or college freshman gals. And they're sitting on a bench and they're clapping and cheering. <laughs> and I look at them and go, what are you doing, raiding us? And they go, yeah, and that's a 10. 
romance should not end. Romance is great. Romance belongs in marriage. And if you do relationships right and you really pray and you really trust the Lord and you really seek counsel and you seek to be obedient to those simple things in Scripture, God's going to bless you with a person that he intended you to be with that will refine you, that will cut you, that will shape you into the man or woman that God wants you to be, but also be the greatest blessing you've ever experienced in your life. I look at her 40 years in now, and I'm thinking, man, I am so blessed. Plus, we're losing a lot of weight. She's now below marriage weight. Baby! Okay? (laughs) So understand, she looks great. I'm leaving. Okay, so uh, (laughs) relationships do not have to be a three-ring circus, right? You know that, right? Starts with the engagement ring, goes to the wedding ring, and then ends up with the suffering. Okay, it doesn't have to be that way. Look for provenness. Follow God's word in relationships and trust God's timing. And enjoy the time that he's given you. Don't ever miss those opportunities. Amen? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this time. Pray that you would use just the slight look at some basic principles in your word to change us and mold us and make us into the men and women you want us to be. Give us hope for the future that you have a plan, uh, that you have uh, worked this all out, all in advance, and we'll trust you for that. Uh, Thank you for each collegian that's here. Thank you for their love for you, their desire to follow your word. And if there are any here who don't